Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. of the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects to Pros, where we talk about the guys who are still in college, but they're headed to the draft, the guys who just got drafted, and everything in between. I'm Andy Staples. I'm here with the Athletics Draft Guru, Dane Brugler, and we have a lot to get into, Dane, because we got Rivalry Week coming got Thanksgiving, we, we have food takes we got to get off, but more importantly, we got to talk about a game that probably affects the quarterback draft in 2023, maybe not in the way that everybody thinks. There's an obvious piece of it, but there's a less obvious piece of it too, and I talk about, of course, the Tennessee-South Carolina game, which was the shocker of the weekend. South Carolina clobbers Tennessee, nobody saw it coming. The saddest part of that game is Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, tearing his ACL. He's done for the season. Magical run for him after transferring from Virginia Tech, where uh, he really helped turn around Tennessee's program and put them in a, in a really great place going forward. But he's done in college football. The next time we see him will be in the NFL. What do we think happens with that, Dane? What you know, obviously ACL injuries are not what they used to be. You know, right. thirty years ago they were a career ender. But how does that affect Hinden Hooker in terms of the draft? What he can do before the draft? What he can show teams? Where where is he going to be at these next few months? As long as the surgery and the rehab go well, uh, you know, on stays on schedule, I, I think that the injury itself is not going to necessarily hurt. Hooker um, hurt his grade, his draft grade, but you know it, it is a missed opportunity for him. When you think about the draft process and him unable to go to the Senior Bowl or Shrine Game and showcase his skills as a passer, because that's the biggest thing I think for the next step that uh, teams want to see is Hendon Hooker outside of that Tennessee offense when he's asked to maybe do some different things, throw some different routes. Uh, you'd be able to see that during senior bowl practices, but now that's just not an option for him. So I think it's, it's a missed opportunity and that's unfortunate. Um, you know, we look to past years with quarterbacks, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, when, you know, it was about this time, what, yep. three years ago that he had that separated hip. Uh, and you know, that, that was, uh, uh, college career ender for him. It's a ca- catastrophic injury. That, that one was, right. was Worse right. than the Hooker one for sure, and it he, it's kept him from uh, participating at the combine. It kept and that was the year COVID hit, so we didn't have pro days. But he wasn't able to work out before the draft, anyways, uh, for teams it, it, like that. So you know, and he still went five overall. Now, obviously, there's we're talking about two different levels of prospects. You know, Tua was expected to go that high, where with Hendon uh, Hooker, he's more of a day two pick. So yeah. uh, you know, but I think that. You know, with uh, look just to last draft, Jamison Williams, which, you know, an ACL injury matters a lot more for uh, a speedy wide receiver like Jamison Williams. 
he had an ACL injury in January, and he still yeah. went number 12 overall. So with Hendon Hooker, as long as the surgery goes right, the rehab goes right, he's going to wow during the interview process uh, throughout the throughout the, the draft, the combine, and, and the team uh, meetings and things like that. I still think he's going to go on day two. But I, like I said, I do think it's a missed opportunity for him to potentially move up and help himself, uh, you know, missing out on some of these events. Where do you think he falls in this quarterback class? Where would you slot him in? Okay, well, let's. I think the first three quarterbacks drafted are going to be Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud, and Will Levis in whatever order it ends up being. Not confident that's the order. Some teams are going to be all in on Bryce Young. Some teams, the size is a, a non-starter for them. Uh, Will Levis is obviously a very volatile uh, player because it's it's a, a, a projection is a big part of that. Um, after those three, we have to see which underclassmen come out. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, for as much as we have said, you know, 2024 class, and uh, if he comes out, which is, is it's, it's possible, uh, you know, he might believe that he's done all he can do in Gainesville. Um, if he decides to come out, he's still going to go top 50, top 60 somewhere. Uh, this, is, the- this is such an interesting conversation because I get asked this question yeah. pretty much every day in Gainesville. And, and what I keep telling people is there's another facet to that question, and that is, is Florida sure they want him to be their starter next year? Hmm. I, I, honestly, I'm not familiar with their depth chart. I mean, do they have someone that, you know, is... Well, no, there's there's the transfer portal. Now, they have a freshman oh, coming in well, named they... Rashada, but I, I'm, not, I'm not projecting the freshman starting. I'm, I'm saying, do they go into the portal and get somebody else? Well, they've got that Ohio State transfer too, right? Uh, yeah, Miller? they have Jack Miller... Yeah, yeah, they have Jack Miller, and then you know they, they have Jalen Kitna, who's been the backup this year. Miller probably would have the backup, but he got hurt in, in camp and missed right. a lot of pretty important time. So, the, it, so Richardson, like if you look at his stat line from the Vandy game, threw for 400 yards, and I, it's I, a, I, a I, decent completion percentage. He played very poorly in that game, though. See, I, I mean, honestly, watching the Vanderbilt, the, watching that tape, I the, he made some throws that made me go, okay, you know what, this guy. He he, I can see why teams are really uh, infatuated with what he could be because he's making some throws that are just outstanding. Uh, so uh, overall, he has maybe the, it wasn't best the best physical game. tools of anybody. Yeah, and you know you you look at the Utah game, you look at you know for parts of that Vandy game. I I mean I I see it. I get why teams are going to be really interested, and uh, I'm actually I've got my first. Uh, mock draft of the year coming out next week. So uh, we, we know what we'll be talking about next week on the pod. Uh, yeah. But, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at Anthony Richardson and saying, hey, could a team realistically, you know, bite on that talent late in the first if he comes out? It's it's something that uh, is not crazy. So, uh, I mean, back to the original, uh, you know, yeah. question and topic. You know, what does Anthony Richardson do? What's Tanner McKee do? Uh, from Stanford, who uh, has not had a great year, but the situation around him is uh, makes it really tough to evaluate him. Um, and then you've got uh, you know a guy like Bo Nix from Oregon, who has been uh, a revelation this year and, and keeps going up and up and up. Uh, very easily can see him draft uh, drafted ahead of Hendon Hooker. So that's uh, you know it's seven quarterbacks right there that we could be talking about as top seventy-five, top eighty picks. Um, so it's uh, it's a really interesting mix of quarterbacks where last year we had one quarterback in the first 73 picks. This year, mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've got plenty of question marks about these guys. 
But you could yeah. certainly understand why a team would, uh, you know, look at one of these and say, hey, yeah, let's let's take this roll the dice. But, you know, and, and again, we mentioned this before. One of the reasons teams did not take Malik Willis earlier or Desmond Ritter or the guys that were drafted in the third round last year, they were looking towards this class and saying, hey, you know, our advanced scouting tells us next year's quarterback class is going to be better. Uh, could could that happen again when you look at next year and what Caleb Williams is doing at USC, what Drake May is doing at North Carolina? Some There's some other really talented quarterbacks. Could advanced scouting t- tell some of these teams, hey, let's maybe not uh, go all in on one of these quarterbacks. Maybe we wait. So there's still a lot of moving parts with this quarterback uh, conversation that it, well, it makes it really interesting. I want to ask you about another potential moving part because it's not something that we were even thinking thinking about until mm. Saturday night. Mm. Spencer Rattler is a third-year quarterback. He, yeah. he is draft eligible. He's the guy that we, we assumed was going to start for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, that he was, he was going to be the, kind of the heir apparent and, and the next great Lincoln Riley quarterback at Oklahoma. And then he winds up getting beat out by, by Caleb Williams. He gets pulled in the Texas game. Caleb Williams takes over, doesn't give it back up. Spencer Rattler then becomes the, the starter at South Carolina had a pretty pedestrian season up until Saturday night when he looked yeah. like everything we ever thought he would be when he was a five-star recruit. This is a stat line. This is, this is bananas. 30 of 37 for 438 yards and six touchdowns. That's an 11.8 yards per attempt average, 81.1% completion percentage. I mean, and watching the game, it... it it felt like that. Like, it, 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 you know, that like it, it, as crazy as the numbers are, they're not too surprising when you watch that game and see him, how productive he was uh, using every part of the field. I mean, yeah, watching that game, you understand, okay, this is why he was uh, a top five pick in mock drafts a year ago. Uh, you know, this is why, it, it, you know, we were maybe uh, putting the uh, cart before the horse with, uh, with Spencer Rattler because the talent is there. Uh, oh, he's know, a it, he's you know, a fourth year player, by the way. I'm sorry, he redshirted yeah. in Oklahoma the first year, so he's fourth year right, player right. this year. Right, and, and but, you see the arm talent. I mean, the guy he has mobility. He can, uh, you know, if, if positive yardage is there, he'll take it. He can buy extra time. Quick delivery. The ball is up and gone with the zip. So, uh, and, and some of those deep balls, perfect accuracy. I mean, you're seeing him push the ball. Um, but you know what? There's uh, some of the the character stuff is an issue. Um, you know, he just he rubs people the wrong way. That that's something that could potentially hurt him through the process. But then just the like, what do you do with a guy that uh, you know you watch earlier this year against Georgia or watch earlier this year Oof. against Kentucky, where it or just, the week sh- before against South Carolina when he couldn't do anything. Uh, uh, Florida, right? I mean, yeah. against Florida, uh, against yeah. Florida, not, yeah, uh, it, <laughs> it was, it yeah. What do you crazy? What do you do with a guy like? I mean, what, what's the what is the draft grade for a guy like that? Like, yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to, you know, bring him on my team. Let's see if we can develop him. But oh, I have to draft him in the third round. Oh yeah, no thanks, never mind. So yeah, like, remember what's the Will Levis price? got Will Levis got shut down by the same defense. That that's just mind blowing to me. Three weeks earlier, yeah. Will Levis got shut down by that same defense, and then Spencer Rattler just goes crazy on it. And I I have no idea what that all means, but it is fascinating to me. Yeah. You, you talk about the moving parts, and I, I was thinking about this before we, we started the show, and you tweeted out earlier on, on Tuesday the draft order if the season ended today. One pick that I find very interesting 
is the one the Lions got, or one of the ones the Lions got in the Matthew Stafford trade from the Rams. Right now, that's number six. The Lions are clearly a team on the upswing. They've got Jared Goff. He's playing well. Do you use this pick? Because remember, they got the 2022 and 2023 first rounders from the Rams. So they don't have another Rams pick in case the Rams stink next year. The Lions don't look like they're going to stink next year. Do you use that pick on a quarterback now? That's, I mean, I think that's the idea, right? Is either that or you use one of these picks to trade back and try to get a first rounder next year where, you know, you need to put yourself in position to go get a quarterback. I don't think that the Lions are, I don't think they have the belief that Jared Goff can lead them to a Super Bowl. I like, I just don't think that they believe that. And so, uh, you know, he's he's been good right now, and I, I think he's helping them win football games, and that's great. But you have to think about the future and, you know, what what is that going to look like at the quarterback position? So is there a quarterback this year that they love, that they feel like we can't pass on this guy, uh, let's bring him into our program, and, you know, let's if there is that guy, they have to draft him. And, you know, it, 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 to your point, picking sixth, and then also right now they have the 13th pick, Right. If they wanted to package those picks to go get the guy they want, they could do that. Yep. If Bryce Young is, hey, that's our guy. We're worried about what uh, you know some of these other teams might do. But you know, look at Houston. They have the the first pick and the seventh pick uh, right now, and we know they need a quarterback. So you know what what happens there? Carolina has the number two pick right now. Uh, they might not be interested in trading back because they want a quarterback, or you know maybe they want one of these uh, you know. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, one of these impact defensive linemen. So uh, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, a group of teams here in in the early part of the draft because multiple teams have multiple first round picks, top fifteen picks, and they need a quarterback. So it really shakes things up, and um, it's it's going to make it. And especially because this, this quarterback class, it's not like two years ago where. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was the easy number one pick. And then we knew quarterbacks were just going to fly off the board, whether it's Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, you know, five going in the top 15. This year, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, there are, there, I, I understand why each uh, uh, is liked uh, as, as a prospect throughout the league, but they're not universally loved. And so, what is that going to, how is that going to play out? Uh, you know, it's not going to be where we see quarterbacks go one, two, three. I, I'll, and he, I'll, I'll, I'll bet that the quarterbacks will not yeah. go one, two, three. It's going to be more spread out. And even the ones who are universally loved don't always work. I mean, Zach Wilson may be getting benched in favor of Joe Flacco or Mike White. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a tough one. It, it's, it's a roll. It's a huge roll of the dice, no matter what, but you still have to do it because it's the most important position. And if you get that guy, if you get your Patrick Mahomes or your Josh Allen, then you're set for, for 15 years. And it's a shame because you look at the Jets and, uh, I mean, the run game has had their issues. Um, you know, the, the wide receivers are uh, a little up and down. But, you know, they the defense is championship ready, uh, you know, the way oh, that, that they're playing. That, that so, roster is good. And, and yeah, the, the injuries they've had once those guys, like, next year offensively, the roster's good outside of yeah. quarterback. <laughs> like, good, enough, good enough to win a division and make some noise in the playoffs. There's no doubt. Uh, but it, it, the most important position, uh, you have to hit on that. And so for uh, some of these teams, it's, it's going to be interesting if they love one of these quarterbacks. I, I, I don't think the Jets, um, 
you know, just said, well, we need a quarterback, so let's see if Zach Wilson works out. I think they genuinely loved him as a player. And look, this isn't a Jets problem. Uh, Zach Wilson was loved as a prospect by yeah. uh, multiple, multiple teams. This, this I mean, wasn't all... like a Mitch Trubisky situation where no, right. there was a yeah. split vote. Like, everybody yes. liked Zach Wilson. Yeah, great example. Uh, I mean, this was Zach Wilson was going to go number two if a lot of teams were picking at number two. Um, and, and so, yeah, it really it, it makes it interesting this year because, again, I don't think it's quarterbacks one, two, three. I think it would be a little more spread out. And are teams going to be willing to be patient like they were last year? Uh, or do they feel a little bit of, you know, the pressure that, hey, you know what? I'm not promised next year. Let's get our quarterback now and see what happens. Yeah, it, it is going to be a fascinating set of circumstances because, like you said, because there's so many teams with a couple of picks there, like we know the Texans are going to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It'd be crazy not to. And, but they also could take an impact defensive lineman, probably, or, or a corner, or, you know, they can fill another need. But the Lions, yeah. where, where they're at, may have to package that to get the quarterback they want if they want to do it now. And, and again, they're in a weird situation where things are going well. They can't stink next year, or they, they, they don't want to stink next year. So you're not really going to be in that class unless you get somebody to give you a pick for next year. And you got to hope that team stinks. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. It, it, it makes yeah. it interesting. And and look, and Houston at number one, they, they have the clear advantage right now. Uh, they have basically a two-game lead for that number one overall pick. So I, I'm sure their point, fans don't like to hear that. <laughs> I know. Well, hey, I, I mean, I, I don't think they had any, uh, you know, illusions of grandeur. Illusions, that this yeah. Is gonna, yeah. yeah. But so this was, uh, I, I mean, I think they're in a position now where they're the clear overwhelming favorite to end up with that number one overall pick. And then it just comes down to, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, Nick Casario, you know, coming over from the Patriots. We knew Bill Belichick ran things when he was in New England. This is his chance to, you know, put a stamp on things. You know, his first uh, first two drafts have been a little, uh, a little up and down. Um, you know, some some questionable picks. Some I, I think he's also hit on some. Um, but you know, what is is this his chance to go get the quarterback? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to find that out. Yeah, I I can't wait. Uh, now, speaking of the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson has been everything they wanted yeah. him to be this year. Interesting point about a game in college football that is very exciting because of the stakes of the game. The the Big Ten East title is on the line. Essentially, the Big Ten title is on the line. A, a playoff berth could be on the line. Ohio State, Michigan. It's everything we want. Huge stakes. Uh, the weather could be a, an issue. It's It's exactly what you're hoping for at noon Eastern time on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. But Aiden Hutchinson was in the unique position for the last, I'd say, 15 years of this rivalry where he was a Michigan player who was the best player on the field in this game. That has not happened very often. And I think it had a lot to do with what happened last year where Michigan won in dominant fashion. Uh, Hutchinson and David Ajabo just destroyed C.J. Stroud in that game. Now, Michigan's offensive line also mashed Ohio State's defensive front pretty well. But... Now you go into a game where, if we're talking about who are the best players on the field, Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State, the receiver, probably the best receiver in the country. They've got a couple of young guys on their defense that that might fit this bill. C.J. Stroud is their quarterback. 
Who from Michigan do you think can make a big difference in this game? I mean, besides the obvious, you know, Blake Corum, like I, because I think that's if Ohio State can, and we know the Ohio State defense is a lot better, right? I mean, compared to last year, it's night and day better. Better than they were, yes. So, you know, if they can limit Blake Corum, uh, you know, we don't know how serious that knee injury is. Uh, you know, he right. came back in that game against Illinois last week, so it could have been that serious. But now, you know, well, he carried week, one time, so right, right, which is kind of weird. I mean, I, I don't. But you know, after a week, is it more sore? Maybe. I mean, who knows? It, we'll have to. That, that's an unknown variable at this point. Um, but I, I mean, they they still have a pretty good running back backfield, and that that offense is made to run the football. And you know, our, our our buddy Bruce Feldman had an article that came out today on the Athletic about uh, you know the Ohio State Michigan rivalry and some uh, interesting insight from coaches um, talking about both teams, and uh, you know they. There was a a part in there talking about how Michigan, knowing they couldn't out personnel or out talent uh, yeah. Ohio State, they have out to culture be, and out physical. Exactly. So out basically out tough them. You know, be the tougher yep. team, and it, it starts in the trenches, and that's what we saw last year. Uh, to your point, so can Ohio State answer the bell this year in the trenches? The defensive line is better this year for Ohio State. We saw that. Uh, you know, last or last week against Maryland, when Ohio State needed a play late in the game, Zach Harrison showed up with back-to-back yep. uh, sacks to basically end that game, close out that game. And that's what you're looking for at pass rusher. You want closers. And that's what Zach Harrison was. Can can they do that in this game? Um, you know, they have to be able to stop the run first and foremost. And then you have to force uh, J.J. McCarthy to drop back and and try to beat, beat the Ohio State defense with his arm, which... Against Illinois, he missed some wide open targets. Uh, he he's a guy that has a little more juice in his arm, and so he will overshoot his targets at times. Yeah, at, can they put enough pressure on him uh, that really gets him off his game? And so I, I'm looking at uh, JTT up front. I'm looking at Zach Harrison. Can they get that pass rush uh, that Ohio State desperately needs? Michigan's got one of the best offensive lines in college football. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Ryan Hayes at left tackle. Um, you know, what can he do against Harrison? And then, uh, but again, I think it comes down to, can they stop Blake Corum? Lantham Ransom, uh, Ohio State safety has been yeah, awesome down the stretch. Yeah, he was all the field against Maryland, oh. yeah. Special teams, defense. I mean, the speed is the difference with him. Uh, once he sees it and goes, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg is going to be a big part of this game, shutting down attempting to shut, uh, shut down uh, Blake Corum. So, you know, they, this is a type of game. And look, I'm biased. I, I I grew up in Northeast Ohio. So, you know, I've got buddies who are Ohio State fans. I've got buddies who are Michigan fans. And so I grew up in this rivalry. That's why I think it's the best in sports. Um, but, you know, it, it's... It, it, it never it never disappoints, you know. Even when yeah. it seems like one team is clearly the favorite, it, it still turns out to be a, a good game. And I have, uh, I, I'm sure this one will be exactly the same way. So um, I, I think that honestly, the key to this game might come down to C.J. Stroud. And uh, I'm glad you went there. That's where I was going next. Yeah, uh, can the biggest and the biggest the biggest my biggest issue with C.J. Stroud that I talked about a ton is can he be creative enough? And when he's forced to move his feet, can he mm-hmm. be creative enough to move the football, move the chains? And, you know, because we know that Michigan defensive line 
they're as good as Ohio State's uh, tackles are. They're going to be able to get a little bit of pressure, and they have. I like DJ Turner at corner. Um, him going up against Marvin Harrison will be a lot of fun to watch from an evaluation standpoint. But can CJ Stroud make enough plays when he's forced to move his feet? From a scouting perspective, that's what I'm focused on, and just trying to figure out who's going to win this game. I think that's going to be a big, big part of yeah, it's going to ultimately de- determine the the scoreboard and the outcome. I go back to the Penn State game, which is probably the, the best pass rush Ohio State has faced so far this season. And and I got very worried about C.J. Stroud because it didn't seem he sensed pressure very well. There were there were several plays where somebody was coming off the edge and he didn't, didn't even notice them. And it was interesting to contrast because if you watched when Penn State got the ball, like J.T. Tui uh, Malau, who is a guy who's not draft eligible this year, but we will be talking about him a ton next year, was just terrorizing Penn State. And so what Penn State decided to do was slide their protection away from him so that everybody else is going to get blocked. And they told Sean Clifford, just deal with him. And Sean Clifford, who is not a prospect that we are talking about on this podcast, right? most plays was like, okay, <laughs> I, I can I can duck under him. I can, I can move my feet, get away, and, and get this pass out. I don't see C.J. Stroud being able to do that. Yeah. And that that's why I have not been head over heels on Stroud as a prospect because that's that's something that is so, I w- maybe not essential but pretty important to uh, being a productive quarterback in today's NFL. It, it's something that you want that mobility. Those second chance plays are so big, and he's done it a few times this year. I I, I will give him credit. Uh, you know, there the Iowa game. Uh, you know, there were a few mm-hmm. games where he has done it, but not consistently and so can he be consistent here when you know Mike Morris who missed the Illinois game it might have been just like hey let's just you know rest a week they 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 warmed him up and then they decided no not today so yeah we don't you know is he 80 percent uh closer to 100 percent who knows we'll we'll find out but I I think Mike Morris who has kind you know no one you're not gonna replace Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. It's just not going to happen. But Mike Morris has done a really nice job stepping in in that role. Um, I, I still believe he leads the team in tackles for loss and sacks. Mm-hmm. He does. And in the process, he's helped himself. He, I think he's put himself in that top 100 conversation. But, you know, can can he put enough pressure on uh, Stroud in that offense? Um, you know, it's when, see, when everything's in rhythm, that Ohio State offense is just, it, it's humming. And I, yeah. I, but it seems like every game, there has been something that has maybe slowed them down a little bit, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, against Iowa, he, he took that sack that ended up being a scoop and score for the Hawkeyes, um, you know, against Penn state, they dug themselves into a hole early. And some of the issues that you mentioned uh, last week against Maryland, they, they struggled to, to stop Maryland. And um, it just, we're keep waiting for Ohio state to play a complete game. And I, you know, is this the, the week they could do it? I mean, it, we know that, even though they're preparing for next week's opponent each week, they're always having their eye on Michigan and introducing mm-hmm. different things. And so um, I, I'm really eager to see how that uh, how that plays out. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Noon on Saturday. Uh, it's it, from a fan perspective, from an evaluation perspective. There's gonna be a lot to learn, a lot to take away from this game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you got a, a packed weekend, though, for you because yeah. you got you got the Egg Bowl Thursday night. You got Ole Miss and Mississippi mm-hmm. State. That That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I imagine uh, Zach Evans is a, is a guy you want to see for Ole Miss. Uh, uh, how, Mi- how about Mr. Uh, Ole Miss, a pair of 200-yard rushers last week against Arkansas, and they scored 27 points. How's that How's that possible? Well, they're, like, I mean, they if Arkansas hadn't taken its foot off the gas, they never would have gotten close to 27. Arkansas yeah. was destroying them. And a lot of that is that Ole Miss defense is designed to get annihilated by a team like Arkansas, like with with KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders. That is not what you because like go back to the Auburn game for Ole Miss. Robbie Ashford, Tank Bigsby is a very talented back, but Robbie Mm -hmm. Ashford is not KJ Jefferson. And you saw them run all over Ole Miss. So you knew that that these guys would be able to, and they just controlled everything. And so that that was the the, the biggest problem, I think. But now you've got the the Mississippi State defense. You've got Emmanuel Forbes, who probably the, the best corner in this game. Uh, we get to yep. see some Will Rogers. You know, yep. I don't I, we air raid quarterback. We, but but hey, there's an air raid quarterback who might be the best quarterback in the game right now in, in Patrick Mahomes. So you never know. Well, I, I, anytime we get to see Jonathan Mingo, uh, the old Miss receiver, go up against Emmanuel Forbes, mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Forbes uh, set the college football record last week with a sixth career pick six, which that's is incredible. awesome. Uh, he's got four. He's a third year junior, and he's got fourteen interceptions. So, like, he's a guy that I think he had a pick six a, in his first career game. Like, he set the tone immediately. <laughs> He he's a guy that he's not afraid to freelance. You know, it's it's a good it's a double edged sword type of thing with him. Um, and so he will have some rough points, but he gets his hands on the football, and obviously that does not go unnoticed by uh, NFL teams. But how does he do against Jonathan Mingo? Jonathan Mingo is a really interesting player. He's a good sized receiver, two hundred twenty pounds, um, strong hands. Uh, I was watching the Arkansas Ole Miss tape from Saturday it, to really to focus on Zach Evans. First play of the game, uh, Mingo's running, I think it was a dig, and mm-hmm. uh, just a simple one-handed grab. Just put his hand out, ball stuck to it, uh, brought it in. So Mingo, I, I, it could surprise people how how much earlier he goes in the draft because it feels like the talent's there, and it's just he hasn't been in an offense that has really been able to allow him to flourish. And so Mingo versus Forbes uh, should be a lot of fun. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, Will Rogers, he's over for, for 2 uh, in the Egg Bowl, uh, and so is Mike Leach. By the way, what yeah. uh, what can they do in, in this one to kind of change the outcome? Will Rogers will have an NFL decision to make after this year. Um, I think he's in that Bailey Zappi uh, type of mold in in terms of you know strengths, weaknesses, and also draft projection where he could be drafted. Um, so uh, you know it, this is something that 
you, you know that they want to come out with a victory, both the head coach and the quarterback. So Friday, you got a few games. You get you can watch Drake yep. May, who uh, if, if you're thinking you're, you want your team to tank for Drake next year, uh, you can watch Drake May play against NC State. He had a not great game against Georgia Tech where they, they got out to a 17-0 lead and then Georgia Tech shut them down to the rest of the way. Now, UNC should have won that game. Because Drake may put the ball right on Josh Downs in the end zone. And that was tough. Listen, Josh Downs has made a lot of really good catches. So I'm not going to kill yeah. him for, for dropping one. But they would have won that game if he'd caught it. And But you're yeah. going to get to see Drake May against uh, a physically talented defense. NC State has not been what they were supposed to be this year. So, uh, But you're going to get to see some numbers there. Uh, Florida and Florida State. You get to watch Anthony Richardson, the yeah. uh, who I think is just a – we talked about him earlier, but it, it's a mystery because – Physically, in terms of quarterback tools, there's no one better in this draft and there's no one better in next year's draft. And now Caleb Williams and Drake May are better quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young is a better quarterback. CJ Stroud is a better quarterback. But if you put if you take the individual parts of Anthony Richardson, it could all be put together into an, an incredible quarterback. It's just the question is, will that ever be put together? Yeah, and, and you know we we talked about him earlier, so we won't you know belabor the point. But it's just uh, I I came away more optimistic with Anthony Richardson after watching Vanderbilt than you did. But I mean, it's it's still you know it's still Vanderbilt. I mean, he, the, one of the worst defenses in, right. in the country, and they so, lost exactly yeah. exactly. Um, it, it's it, it's a tough conversation with Anthony Richardson. I, you know, there's a part of me that hopes he just goes back so he can get better. And it's not something we have to even worry about this year, but uh, you know, it's who knows what the motivating factors are for these, these juniors. It's not just right. money. It's not just grades. It's not just having to go to school. Sometimes it's uh, you know, maybe Anthony Richardson's just not gelling with the new coaching staff. Maybe he feels like, right. you know what they've done all like they, they've taken me as far as I can go. I need to go to that next level and, to and take that next step. He's an interesting case too because in the NIL era, he's doing very well on that front. Yeah. So, right. from a financial standpoint, he's much more comfortable than than players would have been in the past having to make this decision. So, does it affect we, we don't know if it will affect people's decisions. We we've not seen it because it's it's so new. So, I'll be curious to see if that impacts the decision because yeah. he could come back to Florida and be a seven figure earner, uh, you know, not, not what he would make in the NFL, but also nothing to sneeze at and potentially, you know, cause that's, I, I would imagine if Florida's coaching staff feels like there's more that, you know, more that they can get to in terms of his ceiling, that's what they're going to sell him on. They're going to sell him on. You're going to make plenty of money at Florida next year, but also you could make, considerably more money as a draft prospect between you know you, you could be like the 30 you know and obviously like the 31st pick and the 33rd pick are two very different things sure in terms of contract length and everything else but the 31st pick and the first pick are also very different things or the the second pick or the fifth pick right. like that's a lot of money that you could make so it'll be a really interesting conversation that that gets had here in the next few weeks now Anybody, anybody from Florida State that you want to see? I definitely want to see Jared Verse. Uh, you know, they yeah. they took a transfer pass rusher last year who ended up turning into a first round pick, Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson. Johnson. Yep. 
I think there's a good chance they do it again with Verse. I mean, the way he's been playing, uh, he was hurt a little bit. But you know, watch him against Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, who a lot of people like. I mean, he destroyed Bergeron. Um, he's a guy that very easily could go in the first round this year. Um, Fabian Lovett, the defensive tackle. Anytime we get to see him versus Osiris Torrance. Big dude. That'll be yep. a lot of fun. Um, and then I want to give a shout out to Trey Benson, the running back. I mean, he's a guy that Oregon transfer the last month of the of the season, he has really showed up. I mean, he's averaging like over 120 yards rushing per game uh, the last month. And I, he actually leads the country in terms of yards after contact this year. Uh, so just a, a big guy who can break tackles. Trey Benson's a redshirt sophomore. So could be a sneaky uh, prospect that, you know, if he were to de- declare, a guy we'll be talking more and more about. Yeah, and the Jared Verse thing is so interesting. He was at Albany his first two years. And yep. and how that, I, I think we've told the, the origin story there, but basically everybody who played Syracuse last year watched the Syracuse-Albany tape. Yep. And Jared Verse popped off the screen. And all of those schools were calling about Jared Verse and, and Florida State ended up getting him. But it is, that again, the, the, not, a, not the same thing. Jermaine Johnson was a, a role player at Georgia and had a big role in what turned out to be one of the best defenses in the history of college football, but wanted to show he was a three-down player. Very clearly showed that at Florida State, and, yep. and it paid off in the draft. Yep, exactly. And it, he wanted to be the man, and it, it, he bet on himself, and you love that when guys bet on themselves. And with yeah. uh, with Verse, yeah, it was interesting. You know, the, the Syracuse game, that kind of really helped put him on the map. And then uh, coming to Florida State, playing uh, at Syracuse, uh, again, I mean, he just he terrorized the backfield uh, for Syracuse. So he, he's a guy that has first round talent and you know, speed, the power. Uh, he really has it all. He I think he he leads the ACC right now and tackles for loss with fourteen, and that's including missing some time because he's been hurt. So yeah. this is a guy that lives in the backfield. Let's talk about Notre Dame USC. This mm-hmm. is another game from a stake standpoint is is huge because if USC wins this yeah. game then they will go to the Pac-12 championship game probably with a chance to clinch a playoff berth. I'm I'm convinced that if USC wins the next two that Caleb Williams will win the Heisman trophy because he's basically carrying that team. And for them to win these next two games he will have to be amazing and he was amazing against UCLA. But who who in this game do you really want to watch from a from a scouting standpoint? Well, it's good to see Jordan Addison back to his old self um, against UCLA. Yeah. Uh, you know, he missed, he got hurt at the end of that Utah game and basically missed the next three games. Um, so he had he had like eleven catches, one hundred seventy eight yards uh, against UCLA. So it's good to see him back and healthy uh, on defense for USC. Tuli Tu Tui Pelotu has been a really fun pass rusher for them. And then uh, Colorado transfer, Makai Blackman, had a a pick uh, against DTR last week. He's been their best player in the secondary, and I think he's going to be drafted at corner. Um, For Notre Dame, I mean, remember what what, uh, Dalton Kincaid did against that USC defense? I mean, yeah, he, he was had like, the game of the game of every tight end's life. Uh, yeah. Okay. So Michael Mayer has got to be sitting there licking his chops saying, okay, what can I do now? You know, we'll see if, uh, I don't know if he's going to put up that type of production, but it'll still be good to see, uh, see Meyer, uh, face that defense, see if he can post some big numbers. Uh, and then we got to give a shout out to Isaiah Foskey who passed Justin Tuck mm-hmm. as the all-time sack leader for the Irish. 
Um, you know, it's something that obviously matters. Uh, you know, it's the the scouting motto is traits over production, but yeah, still when you're getting sacks, that's uh, that, that usually lines up that you're doing something right. And so uh, Foskey's a little bit of a, uh, opinions are a little over the place, uh, on him. Yeah. You know, I've heard everywhere from second to fourth round on Foskey, but he's a guy that puts pressure on the backfield. And so, uh, you know, uh, he's, uh, he's got a chance to, uh, you know, make some noise in this one against a really good and quarterback. He sh- he sh- shows up in big games. Like I, yeah. I just think there's, there's a place for somebody like that. They, you, Maybe maybe you don't draft him super high, but you you get him in your locker room, get him on your team. He's gonna make your team. He's gonna be on your team for a while. Uh, the 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 Michael Mayer thing's interesting to me. We haven't talked much about tight ends this year. Where does he is he your your clear number one tight end? Uh, probably. Uh, but I will say that like Michael Mayer, as good as he is, because he's just a damn good football player. Like he's not going to run a blazing forty, you know. It's not going right. to, and, and so that's something that could. That's why I wouldn't say Michael Mayer is a lock top twenty, top twenty five pick because he's well, that's not what gonna, that's why I'm curious because like Darnell right. Washington from Georgia is going yep. to wow people in yep. testing, but it, but even Washington is you know he's still a work in progress as a receiver, you know he's still right. I mean he's a freak, but you know it, it, uh, he's not a, an easy projection because he's such a unicorn. You know, there's just you, right. you don't see Darnell Washington's walking down the street. He's he's very very unique, and so that's 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 an interesting one. And my guy Tucker Craft from South Dakota State, who did this week officially declare uh, South Dakota State's still playing; they're still in the FCS playoffs. But he did officially declare and say that he's headed the NFL after after the season. And look, at, when Dallas Goddard was drafted top fifty, you thought, oh wow, South Dakota State. You know, they're mm-hmm. it'll be a while before they have another tight end drafted top fifty. Tucker Craft nope. could go first round. He's that good. I, I Tucker Craft is one of the best offensive players in this draft. Uh, just you know, a lot of people don't talk about it because they don't watch a lot of FCS football. But Craft is the real deal. So uh, I, I think you start with those three. And I tell you what, I, I really like this tight end class. Uh, uh, you know, if those three guys that we, you know, Mayor, Darnell Washington, Tucker Craft are all top fifty guys. Uh, soon after that, I love Luke Musgrave at Oregon State. If not for yeah. his knee injury, we'd be talking a lot more about him. Uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, who, who we mentioned. Uh, Cade Stover from Ohio State, I think is in that day two discussion. And then we uh, we didn't mention him when we talked about South Carolina, but Jaheim Bell, uh, you know, yeah. playing a little H-back, you know, running back. Uh, he's, he's a really— I mean, they made him a pure tailback the last three yeah. weeks just to force feed him the ball, essentially. They, they felt right. like he wasn't getting enough touches. Their two best backs were hurt, and they're like, here's the solution. So and he's he he's he's a hybrid, you know. So he's unique. He's probably six two and a half, two hundred and thirty five pounds. Um, so you know what exactly is his role? Uh, but if he declares, he'll be another guy we're talking about. That doesn't include uh, you know, five, six, seven more seniors that we could talk about as being top four round, top five round uh, players. This tight end class, assuming all these underclassmen come out, uh, it's going to be a sneaky good class with several players worthy of first round consideration. And I, I like those hybrid guys that you're talking about. The, the ones who aren't, you know, the, the ones who are like 6'5 and above, obviously you know what you're doing with them. But the ones who are a little bit more tweeners, there's a use for them, especially if they're very athletically gifted because mm-hmm. you can you can move them around. You can essentially play them as fullbacks, which allows you to change personnel packages without substituting. 
And right. so you can you can confuse the defense that way. And I think that you give them one picture motion and it's a very different picture all of a sudden if, if you've, you've got a fullback now. So that's I, that's something, something I think people should consider. Right. Well, and just the with the tight end subject, I'm glad you brought this up because it's someone asked me this the other day and it really made me think um, what who is the last first round tight end to live up to where they were drafted? So let's I mean, we didn't have a first round tight end last year. The year before we had Kyle Pitts, who if we had a redraft, Kyle Pitts is still going top 10. Okay, but yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's still early. He's now has the injury. He's got an MCL injury. So, um, but at, up to this point, he has not lived up to being the fourth overall pick. Um, after you know, TJ Hawkinson was just traded for the equivalent of basically a late second round pick. So, you know, as a top ten guy, he hasn't necessarily yep. lived, lived up to it. No, Noah, no, Fant, Noah Fant got traded. Yep. Uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, he uh, you know did not last very long He's with the Ravens. Around. Yeah. Yeah. The the trivia question: Who, who mean, was the Ravens' first round pick before they drafted Lamar Jackson? Hayden Hurst, uh, which is just kind of crazy. Mark to Andrews think about. has been um, now. Mark Andrews is a great player at Oklahoma. Yeah, like, but he was a third was round pick. I, I thought, exactly. So, and yeah. Isaiah Likely was a lower round pick. Yeah. Who, if you watch Coastal Carolina last year, like this guy's going to be awesome. Right. Uh, but I mean, just. Talking about those first round guys, there have not. It's hard. I mean, you go back to. I mean, David Njoku has been a, a good player. He got the contract. I, I think he's he's playing his best football now. But you know that that's still a questionable one. Whether or not he's lived up to it. Um, I mean, Eric Ebron, no. Tyler Eifert, maybe, but he was hurt so much. I mean, it's bottom line. It's tight end is a position that you better Cole be. Komet? Yeah, but I mean, he was a second rounder. Yeah, uh, yeah, you better be wowed by a tight end and what he it, it's almost like the running back conversation, you know, like it, it's a you better be wowed. You, he better be that missing piece of your offense for you to draft him top 20, top 25 tank tank for Brock Bowers next year. Well, yeah, exactly. And he'd be a good example of, OK, he's more in that Kyle Pitts conversation where he's just a, uh, a complete freak who which I was surprised. I, I didn't realize. I mean, I guess I should have, but I never realized that tight ends were eligible for the Bolitnikoff Award, uh, but yeah, I mean, because I mean, tight ends have their own award. Uh, I thought it was just yeah, a receiver award, but I, I think with the the blurring of you know tight end receiver and you know like uh, Bowers being mostly in the slot, like and he plays a lot of outside, it makes sense that tight ends would be considered for Bolitnikoff. So I was just surprised to see that. Yeah, and and Bowers is also devastating on end around type plays. Like, oh yeah, huh. he has one of Georgia's longest rushes of the year. Yeah, so he's it's he's it's free. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. Speaking of freaks, I have to bring up something that that we touched on on my podcast, the Andy Staples Show, earlier this week. Uh, so it was me and Ari Wasserman who covers college football recruiting for us, and Scott Dockerman who covers Iowa for us. And we were drafting Thanksgiving sides. And, and things had gone pretty much according to plan. Like you'd seen uh, mashed potatoes and gravy come off the board. You'd seen yeah. uh, sweet potato casserole. You, you'd seen the usual suspects had, had come off the board. Okay. Scott, who is native Midwesterner, uh, has been in Iowa most of his life. With his fourth pick, selects... Cottage cheese. <laughs> what? Have you ever had cottage cheese on your Thanksgiving spread? 
like as just something you put on your plate alongside no. the mashed potatoes and gravy or the dressing slash stuffing or the, <laughs> the no the turkey. no that's no I've never never heard of that I mean I, I like I'm a Midwest guy I'm an Ohio guy I have never heard of cottage cheese as being a key part of a Thanksgiving meal and I mean I'm not a big I mean I'm, I, I was actually just feeding cottage cheese my my one-year-olds last night and it kind of ruined <laughs> kind of ruined my own meal having to well, obviously. Uh, do that but uh wow no that's hey look everyone's got their own traditions their own you know and that's you know maybe something he grew up with but that is not one that i've ever heard before the heartland is a different place now and, and that's what <laughs> you know people are like the midwest is a is a pretty large area yeah and yeah. so but iowa and 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 even where he is in Iowa and Eastern Iowa, it's different than like Western Iowa is more like Nebraska and mm-hmm. like Nebraska, they have the, the chili and cinnamon rolls combination. That's not a Thanksgiving thing. That's an everyday thing. That's a school lunch thing. Like okay. they certain in, in, in Nebraska in in that in Western Iowa and in parts of Kansas, like that is a traditional school lunch, chili and cinnamon rolls. Like you, you rip your cinnamon roll apart, you dip it in the chili it's a strange wow. thing, but it's, it's actually delicious, by the way, if you try it. Uh, it's it's huh. incredible. But so that area has some fairly unique traditions. And, and it's funny because his fifth pick, he went with black olives. And, and I'm an avowed black olive lover. Like I have black olives on my pizza all the time, but I have never heard of, of black olives. What I think is going on there with with that. And, and we had some Iowans chime in and say, no, 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 that's that's normal here. Yeah, I think they have kind of. Like the charcuterie board that you'd normally put out before a gathering where you have your meats and your cheeses and your olives and all that. I think that is just part of the spread mm. in their okay. in their world. Okay. So it makes more sense when you look at it like that. But the cottage cheese thing is just like I just burst out laughing. I was like, <laughs> You did what excuse me? <laughs> that 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 threw me. I did not expect that. It's uh what 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 is the most unique thing that you have as part of your Thanksgiving meal that maybe is not unique to you, but unique to maybe what, yeah. what, what most people have. I don't think we have anything unique. Like yeah. I, I am asked to make Mac and cheese for every family gathering. I, I stole okay. a recipe from a place in Michigan. Uh, if you've ever been to Clarkston, Michigan, which is just North of where, you know, the palace of Auburn Hills is where the old uh, silver dome was uh, it's, it's past Detroit on I-75 but they have a restaurant called Clarkston Union. And then they also, that has a sister restaurant called Union Woodshop, which which does barbecue. And they serve the best mac and cheese I've ever had in my life. And so I went and found the recipe on the internet, stole it, have been making it ever since. And hmm. so we do that. But, and I've had people say, well, that's not a normal Thanksgiving side, but in the South it is. Like yeah. in the South, mac and cheese is a side for everything. Collard greens, I guess, is that is that an, that's an av- that's aside for every occasion in the South, yeah. Not just Thanksgiving or anything, but uh, I would imagine in, in the Midwest and the West, that's not something people typically make. Yeah, definitely a, a regional thing there. Uh, is there a specific ingredient in the mac and cheese that makes it that differentiates it from well, other it, mac and cheese? So their version is the best because they use some local Michigan cheeses. Okay, that are very hard to get. And I try, I got them the first time I did it and did it right. Now the kids didn't want to eat it because it's not the cheeses they like. So right. I've, I've, I've made some concessions over the years, like to get the kids to, I, I get m- kind of more mass market cheeses yeah. that is, that, that will 
work with their palates. But as the, as they get older, I'm going to start special ordering the the real stuff because again, <laughs> if you if you taste it at the restaurant, it is the, one of the best things you'll ever eat in your life. Oh, I believe it. It's, I mean, mac and cheese is it's hard to go wrong. There's so many different ways to do it, but it's all good. Uh, how do you do your turkey? Uh, is just traditional, so, you know, in the oven? Do you fry it? Do you smoke it? So I've I've done I've done all of them, and okay. I still like the the just roast turkey out of the oven the best. Uh, yeah, I like I like it if you brine it beforehand and then roast oh, it. Yeah. So I am doing something different this year that I've never done before because this is the first year that I'll get to be home the entire weekend after Thanksgiving since I have no idea when it's normally I'm going to a game, but in this case, I just want to see everything. So I'm staying home. And, but my mother-in-law who lives in town, we go to her house for Thanksgiving. So all the leftovers stay at her house. I want leftovers at my house. So I am going to cook a Turkey on Wednesday (laughs) that will live at my house and and be my leftovers. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Put that one on the on the pellet grill and and roast it like I would in an oven. I'm gonna you know 350 and and just roast it, and I'm excited about that because I haven't done a turkey in there yet, and I imagine it's gonna it's gonna turn out pretty good. Oh, I yeah, I'd imagine. I, I've I've smoked uh, a turkey before and it turned out pretty good. I I I don't understand. I think I feel bad for people that are really hate on the turkey for Thanksgiving because it just it tells me that they haven't had someone fix them a really good turkey before because like it is a hard oh, yeah. uh, thing to cook because it's it's not forgiving at all you know some no. meats are very forgiving turkey is not you could easily you mess can dry that it up. out in a hurry yeah very yeah very now, quickly I do think if you've got a good temperature probe mm-hmm. and, and 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 don't get too fancy like I've smoked them before I've gone low and slow like a two fifty and but that makes the skin all rubbery and that's no fun either. Yeah. They've been cooking it in the oven for a long time and it's been turning out great. There's a reason. Like it's really good that way. And so that's that's what I'm you know, I'm just going to sit there I, I I'm a cheater. I've got the app on my phone that connects to the temperature probe, so oh, heck yeah. the second it hits 165, I'm pulling it and I I am ready to do that and I will eat one leg immediately. And one wing immediately, and then I'm saving the other ones. I love it. No, that's great. And, and I mean, it's it, it, it's uh, my. I know my family. They all love turkey, and so you know, we'll be at my in laws and for lunch, and then we go to my parents for dinner. So oh, getting, you get two Thanksgiving get dinners. Two. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is great. It is uh, definitely one of the days I look forward to the most every single year because it's just. It, it's the one, the one day between, uh, well, that and Christmas Day. But there's the only two yeah. days between August first and May first that I will not work. I, I will, I yeah. will, I will just focus on food, family, and then taking in the football as as a fan. And so I'm very much looking forward to Thursday and, and everything that comes with it. It's it's going to be beautiful. And and so if I get everything done. And there's no weird coaching news on Wednesday. I will actually have Wednesday mm-hmm. off as well. So Wednesday and Thursday nice. will be glorious. And there might, nice. we might throw a little, you know, maybe maybe the first showing of Christmas Vacation happens on Wednesday. Nice. Our, we, we, we've already done it. We've, we've been there. It's uh, once, <laughs> like, once November 1st hits, it's it's uh, it's Christmas it's season here. Yeah. I'm at, we, I'm, we did that too. We took down our Halloween decorations and put up oh, our yeah. Christmas decorations. I'm staring at so. a Christmas tree right now in my in my office. So it's uh, 
that that's that Christmas is a two month holiday for us, no doubt. Yeah, my my daughter got a Christmas tree for her room this year. So yep. Yep. like, and, and she keeps adding different things. Like every time she and my wife go out, something else comes home that winds up going into her Christmas display in her room, which is yeah. so she's she is gonna have Whoville in her room by the end of like the next two years. Well, I, I'm just I, I'm intrigued I, to see where it goes. I'm excited because we, uh, my wife grew up with just uh, fake trees, fake Christmas tree, and uh, mm. we that that's what we've done the last few years because we you know, we still have. I can't I can't talk them out of it. I'm trying. I well, this year we're getting a real tree, and so I'm I'm looking for because to me that was Christmas growing up. You know, you go out to the Christmas tree farm and you know you cut it down yourself. You do you know I, I and I'm excited to take my kids this year to. Uh, go cut down a tree, bring it home, drag it home. Hopefully, it doesn't fly off the lot roof. A lot of sap. I mean, lot of sap. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I can't can't wait for that. It'll be uh, it, it'll you know that's the type of memories that that I remember, and so I'm excited to give that to my kids. Oh, that's I I can't wait. I I want an entire Clark W. Griswold experience for your whole family, <laughs> with, minus minus the going under the the truck hauling logs. So don't don't do that. Yeah. So. Right. I, I can't wait. I just when you when you un unfurl the tree and all the windows break and yeah, just let, yeah let's yeah. make it as close to Christmas vacation as you possibly can. Well, Dane, I think we need to get started enjoying all this food and football. I hope everybody else is gonna do that. I hope you have a healthy, happy, and safe Thanksgiving. I hope if you're driving somewhere right now that we've helped you pass a, a little bit of the time and, and that you're being careful. Uh, stop it and get some nice gas station coffee if you're tired. But thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We're thankful for you. And just enjoy this weekend because it's going to be amazing. We'll talk to you later. This was The Athletic Football Show.